The last one's at the bar. Exclusively talks about the sport of boxing. Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar, the baddest boxing podcast, definitely in the Western Hemisphere. Today, we're showing tremendous dedication to the sport that we love and also to our supporters by recording on Easter Sunday. My name is Wilton Henry, aka The Fight Doctor, and I'm joined by the venerable one, Lavelle Jackson. Lavelle, how are you uh, enjoying your Easter weekend, sir? I'm doing well, very busy, but a good busy, you know, uh, celebrating what, what Easter means, you know, the Resurrection Sunday, and also um, been hanging around with friends and family and keeping myself busy and, and catching up with these, these fights that we're going to talk about. Very busy weekend when it came to boxing, you know, like I said, you had a busy week. My week was so busy, man. Like I said, I went back to my hometown, got there Tuesday, and I stayed until Friday just to be there like during business hours i had to go to a lot of banks i had to go to like the courts and houses and um places like that throughout the day and then also trying to pack in the opportunity to visit with family members a couple friends and you know I, I, it's a couple you know uh soft touches you know what i'm saying that i had to go ahead and visit as well but it was very packed but the, the main thing is that it was productive and i was happy to spend that quality time with family. And then also all of us pretty much being on the same page with the common goal of doing what was in the best interest of our mother and father. You know, that's always a good thing for me. You know, special shout out to my sis, you know, my brothers as well, man. I spent so much time with them, you know, that I used to not do it, you know what I mean? But it was, it was a rewarding week. I wish I had an opportunity to be with them on Easter, but I had to get back here and take care of what I need to take care of here in the DMV. But um, all in all, it was a good week, just very tiring, man, very tiring. And uh, But we have the boxing, man, so we got to go ahead and start discussing that because that's what we, you know, record these episodes for. So starting off yesterday, I guess we can go ahead and start in, in Brick City, you know, with that stud that you got out there, Shakur <laughs> Stevenson, you know, taking on his opponent. What did you think about that display that Shakur put on out there in New Jersey? Yeah, it was a very dominant performance. Uh, there was a few things that I did like about this fight, even though, you know, it, it is what it is. And Yoshiro, he was very, he very much outgunned from the start. But what I like about Stevenson is he doesn't really fight to the level of competition. You know, if, if you are a few levels below him, he'll show that you're a few levels below him. He won't go in there and try to, you know, clown around or try to get rounds up or anything like that. He's going to like, hey, look, if you can't fight to this level, I'm going to show you that you can't fight to this level. And that's exactly what he did. You know, he came out, pop shot, but it was very, very accurate shots and, and just frustrating, not really just beating Yoshino down, but just frustrating him, you know, Stevenson, his defense was just on point. It was all, well, as always, it was on point. His, his, his offense was on point. He was sitting down on his punches a lot more. Shichino, uh, I know I messed his name up, Yoshiro. <laughs> he was totally just just outgunned and, and just outmatched. And Stevenson put him, you know, was sitting down on his punches more. He put him down in a second round. with It was a straight left counter punch. Uh, Yoshiro was coming in and got caught, you know, slipping. And then 
Ishiro went down again with a, a one-two combo in the fourth round. And even though I thought that, you know, in the, in the sixth round when the refs, you know, finally said that's enough, I thought that was an early stoppage. I believe that this, this fight could have went on a few more rounds. But at the same time, Yoshiro was was definitely outgunned. Uh, it seemed like he was just happy to be there. He, the whole time, he just smiling and stuff like that. He walked to the ring, and, and in the fight, he didn't really show that. Hey, look, man, you're not going to be stopping this fight. I'm in it to win it, you know. It was it was kind of like a mercy stoppage. Uh, like, hey, he, you're not going to win. You're just taking too much punishment. So, Stevenson, he improved to 20-0 with 10 knockouts. Uh, she wrote he falls to 16 and one with 12 knockouts, but it was, uh, you know, dominant performance, what you would expect from Stevenson. It's just that I didn't, you know, I, I pretty much expected him to go to distance and get some rounds in, but he pretty much his, his offense and defense just too much, but you know, great performance. What do you think about it? Will? Well, uh, first and foremost, I just thought the kid was sharp. You know, he, he shows great balance, uh, the speed, the accuracy, even the aggression, but also he's staying in the pocket, you know, by while being defensively responsible. And to me, some of those attributes are unmatched, you know, in the sport of boxing. You know, he has a very, very high IQ. I like his poise, you know, and then just his rhythm and precision. And so that was on full display yesterday. It was a masterful performance, you know, based on what I saw. Um, but I won't, like, just get too go too far with it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, you know, say the young man is Ray Robinson or anything like that just yet, you know, because of the level of opposition that he was facing yesterday. You know, Yoshino is is a plotter. And if he doesn't have somebody to sit right in front of him, then he's going to have trouble. And then you add in the fact that you're fighting one of the most elusive as well as like just cat quick type of fighters that that's just a recipe for disaster for him. But, you know, he, he was willing to fight on, you know, like you said, I think it was an early stoppage. It wasn't nowhere near the point where you would think that the referee would step in, you know, at that particular moment. He landed a, a nice left and he kind of like stumbled just a little bit. But at the same time, I don't think he was anywhere near, you know, going down or being beat down to that point where you stop the fight. But when you look at the punch stats, it was all in Stevenson's favor. 123 punches landed to Yoshino's 36. Um, Stevenson threw, he was very accurate, 50% accuracy rate because he threw 245 shots. Yoshino was throwing about 80 more punches. He, he threw 332, but he was only able to land 11% of those punches. And, you know, that just shows how dominant Stevenson was, you know, yesterday. Uh, moving forward, he's saying that he wants to take on the likes of Devin Haney. He's kind of calling him out. I don't know if that's going to be something that, you know, is actually going to come into fruition anytime soon, because I just think that Devin Haney, he has his eyes set on this upcoming fight against Vasil Lomachenko. And I think that if he can't get somebody like Tank Davis, then I think he will move on. Um, but what do you think about that? What do you think Shakur, you know, should do next? Yeah, I always wanted to see that fight between Shakur and Devin Haney. I think that's, to me, that's the best fight in the best, even though Tank is more so the money guy, meal ticket. Even if Ryan was to win that fight, that's a, a meal ticket. I just look at those two as the upper echelon, and, and that would be a, a big fight I would, you know, I would like to see. Uh, if not, then, of course, Shakur 
matches up well with the other guys with the, even the Tank Davis and, and Ryan Garcia. But even then, the thing, the concern is th- those guys will also end up moving up to, you know, 140. And, and it's interesting because 140 is actually going to be very, very like <laughs> diluted. And it'll be very sad if, if fights at 140 don't happen, considering how everybody's moving up there right now. So the only other fight out there for, for Stevenson that I think will be interesting if all those guys are moving up and stuff like that is a, a fight between him and Frank Martin because it just brings different dynamics. You know, I also like the fight between him and I, I saw Cruz, even though Cruz doesn't really want that fight. That's very telling. So those kind of fights that, that I look for uh, that Shakur Stevenson, I would want him to take. Hmm. I think in 135, it's, it's a lot of good fights there because this fighter that he just fought, he's pretty one-dimensional. You still got the likes of Loma. You got the likes of, like I say, Cruz, Zapata. You know, I still think some of those fights are pretty are pretty good for him at 135. And he'll have to, you know, at least be tested a little bit more than he was yesterday against some of those opponents. And I think that's pretty much it because everybody is going to be moving. And 140 is going to be a a, a division to be reckoned with, you know what I mean, with all that talent that's already there and then the guys that are coming up. But, yeah, that's all I have on a, on a Shakur Stevenson uh, performance yesterday. But it was a master masterful performance. Yeah, it was a very, very masterful performance. Uh then there's a, a another fight that went on. It was on the zone. We had my main man, uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez. He was taking on Christian Gonzalez for one of the flyweight titles. Will, what were your thoughts on Bam's performance against Gonzalez? Uh, I was expecting more from Bam, but I also didn't know what to expect from Christian Gonzalez. Bam, I thought, I mean, if you just look at the fight, just being objective, this is what Bam was doing good. He was doing well. You know, he had the good upper body movement and defense. You know, he, he kind of, he does that just seamlessly. Like, he just goes from offense to defense very well. Um, he got hit minim- minimally while he was coming in. He attacked and ducked and countered nicely, you know, throughout the fight. The fight was, I thought, was pretty close up until, like, the eighth, ninth round. Because it was more so just a stylistic, you know, situation there where you had Gonzalez, he's he's tall and he moved a lot and he kept switch hitting from southpaw to orthodox and he never would stay stationary. And so Bam can punch, but he's not a big puncher. So it was never a situation where even when he did land something that Gonzalez would stay there long enough to take the accumulative effect that would have been necessary in order for him to put some serious damage on him. Now, I will say this, is that if Gonzalez had a little bit more pop, I think Bam might have had a little bit more trouble if he was going to take the approach. Um, But the guy just never stayed put long enough to even put any serious oomph behind his punches that he was throwing at Bam. You know, all in all, I thought 116, 112, I thought that was fair. The other scorecards, I think that's a stretch. To give Bam that many rounds, I think it was about an eight to four, seven five type situation. But it's just one of those situations where you you are fighting an opponent that you don't have much film on. You don't know 
what you see from him doesn't look like much, but you just don't have enough film out there to know specifically what to expect. And so all in all, he was able to get that strap. And so he's, uh, you know, still the youngest champion, you know, the youngest two-time champion, you know, that we have in the sport of boxing. Um, there's some things that he still needs to work on, you know, but it's always good to get that on the job training, you know, that he's getting. And hopefully this sets up the fight between him and Sonny Edwards. You know, that's the one that I'm looking forward to in that weight class. And then hopefully after they take care of business, he can go back to 115 and we'll see maybe a Chocolatito fight, Juan Francisco Estrada fight, you know, something like that. Um, but what did you think about Bam's performance? Yeah, I thought it was a, a like an eight to four. It yeah, just like you it was an eight to four, seven to five type of win over Gonzalez. Uh, I thought early on Rodriguez is, he was making a lot of certain mistakes that I thought that, or I think Gonzalez was taking advantage of some of the the things that Bam wasn't doing. I mean, like Bam, he wouldn't he wasn't cutting off the ring effectively, and Gon that made Gonzalez able to whenever somebody is like nearing the ropes and they do a circle around you that's kind of like that's a that's a bad sign especially if you're trying to pressure them it's just that uh bam is just so offensively you know talented with his punch selection that you know the body shots and some of the, the head shots was starting to slow gonzalez down over the second half of the fight and gonzalez was definitely i was kind of impressed that he was you know sticking and moving early on and, and giving you know bam some things to think about it's just that once bam gets you know, he got heated up kind of in the second half. Uh, I thought that that's when he kind of, you know, pulled away from that fight and, and and won it. But it's one of those fights where moving forward, I'm going to put too much thought into it because maybe, you know, Bam just needed to get it. This needed to be active and get that strap. But also, I, th I think, and, and I don't know if I, that that's a, a bad thing or, or something that pressed me, but uh, they say that Bam, he broke his jaw in that fight too. And in the second half of that fight, he was kind of turning up with a broken jaw. So that shows that, you know, the killer instinct is, in, is, is still there. You know, uh, he's not someone that's going to wilt when things get rough. So that portion of it, I'm impressed with. I'm impressed with because he can, that shows that he can deal with adversity regardless of the, you know, level of competition. Or that might show he has a glass jaw, you know? Uh, no, no, I, I would say glass jaws. We, 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 when he get hit, he gets jaw broken, he fall down and get stopped. Hey. So it, it can, it can, he well, he showed me is more so along the lines of when uh, Edison Miranda broke off the Abraham's jaw, and Abraham was willing to wilt through that. And mm -hmm. ever since then, I mean, of course, Abraham never panned out to be the guy they were trying to market him as. But one thing you can't really fought against, you you can't really argue against is, is that dude got some tough set of whiskers, man. I mean, he'd been in there with everybody taking punches, and even if he lose, he just lose. You know, so with Bam, I think, you know, that shows a, a toughness when your jaw is broken, man, and you're not you're not looking to try to look for a way out, looking for somebody to, oh, man, he hit me low. I'm, I'm going to go down and stuff like that. He wasn't doing none of that. He just fought it out and actually upped his game, you know, in a, in the a second half of the fight. So that part I was impressed with. Okay, okay. I think it might be a new meaning of glass jaw, you know. <laughs> no, it won't it won't be like like the the the, the one other guy we're gonna talk about today. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and move on. Um, I think we had the good, you know, we talked about Shakur, you know, bam I, in, in terms of 
how you we thought that the fight, the outcome would be, I would consider that the bad. Now let's get to the ugly. Okay, so you have uh, Sebastian, the towering inferno, Pandora, taking on my main man from Albuquerque, you know, Brian Mendoza, in a fight that was going totally one direction until the seventh round came around. Uh, <laughs> what, what was your thoughts on that fight that, that took place out there in Carson, California? <laughs> I was just like, wow, wow. I was shocked because I didn't see it coming, even though I knew it was possible because Sebastian Spindora, he's always been hittable and we always – We've all said, talked about his, you know, lack of his nearsightedness that he, you know, he wears these thick glasses when he isn't fighting and squints his eyes a lot when doing interviews without his, his uh, glasses. So because of that, he was always going to fight within close quarters. Plus, he's so tall that and even looking at it yesterday, it's easy to say use your reach, but he's so tall that he has to punch down like at an angle where he doesn't really even really have a reach advantage because he's punching so far down. Like I, I was watching that yesterday. And because of that, he he hunches over a little bit and opens himself up for certain punches. But also, you know, he, he likes the favorites, you know, the hooks and uppercuts and all those inside punches. And that's going to open you up to exactly what he got caught with. Now, the interesting thing about this particular fight is that it was a lot less action than I thought it was going to be throughout the, you know, the first portion of this fight. They were kind of still trying to, it seemed like they were spilling each other out longer than usual and, and trying to box each other. But Fedora started to, to actually pick up the pace I think around the fifth round or something like that, the fifth or sixth round. He started to pick up the pace a little bit. And Mendoza seemed like he was slowing down and Fedora was getting the best of him. Uh, and when that started happening, you know, sometimes you get overconfident, what have you. But I mean, in this exchange, a uh, particular exchange, I mean, those just caught Fendura slipping and hit him with that left hook that just froze Fendura, just froze in the place. He was just, he was out. You saw him, it, it was like he was squished up in pain and he was out at the same time. Then Mendoza followed up with that right hand and just put Fedora straight on his back, man. And it was one of those shots where, it was funny because watching it, you know, I rewinded it back a few seconds just to see it again. But in my mind, I was like, is he going to get up from this? I don't think he's going to get up. <laughs> and then, he, you know, he sat up and I saw that look on his face and he was just like, he just couldn't. And of course he was rocked, but also sometimes he's just so tall. Advantage can be a disadvantage. It's like, it take a lot for him to get that, you know, that six foot five frame back on his feet, you know, back on them legs, man. So he knew it. it was like, man, this, this is it. You know? uh, so Mendoza get the, the KO over uh, Sebastian Fedora. If you haven't seen it, uh, could be, you know, might be in a contender for knockout of the year or even upset of the year. Even though I don't see it as far as as much of an upset as other people do, because we always we always knew that Mendoza got that firepower and Fedora is so hittable. But if you according to the odds that was predicted for this fight, you know, this is a, a pretty big upset. So it could go for upset of the year. But Fendura, he falls to 20 and one with 13 knockouts and Mendoza. Uh, he improves to, to, to 22 and two with uh, 16 knockouts. But it was a great comeback performance for Brian Mendoza. He talked about, you know, what he wants to do going forward. He mentioned the Charlo, you know, Jamel Charlo and possibly a fight with if Tim Zhu win, then Tim Zhu. I mean, it'll be an interesting fight. I, th I think it'll be a pretty good fight, considering that 
let's say whoever wins that fight between Charlo and Zoo, that's going to be a rough fight. And if they take on a, Men- a Mendoza right after that, that's where the intrigue will be, you know, without any tune-ups or anything like that. But Prosta Mendoza, he came in, he delivered. Uh, it's, it's one of those feel-good stories. And even for Fedora, man, I mean, even though going forward it's going to be hard because people know they can just crack him. But, I mean, keep your head up, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it gets, it happens. Hey, he was bound to get caught, and he's always going to be one of those action-packed fighters that's that's vulnerable like that. <laughs> so, Will, what are your thoughts on the knockout? You think it was knockout uh, a contender for knockout of the year or what? Uh, I don't know. I, I got to think back, you know, as far as what I've seen so far. I thought it was a good shot. But before I get off into all of that, it's a couple things that I do want to mention. I think Mendoza, good win, great win, great guy. You know what I mean? Um, people talk highly of him who work with him in the gym or see him in the gym. They say he's just one of the most hardest working fighters that you would ever want to see and one of an even better person, you know. But as far as the skills, I mean, I don't think he's going to be uh, – scaring any of the top guys i think that uh zoo or charlo that's that's just a stay busy type fight you know they might have him as a homecoming or you know soft touch before they look on to somebody else you know what i mean he's just a work workman type guy you know a hard working you know little engine type dude you know what i mean if you get not on your game or he's going to be looking for openings you know throughout the course of the fight has a little bit of pop you know, as far as uh, Fendor, I think for him, he he looked to me where he got too complacent, where he does the same thing pretty much over and over. And the same thing that you see in all of his fights, that's what he's doing. So a good fighter is at some point is going to be able to time him. I thought Mendoza was he just missed him. I want to say it was a third round or something like that. Same thing. But it just looked like Fendor just got complacent and he was just you know figuring out okay this is how the action is going and this is how you know round by round I'm I'm winning pretty much all of these rounds so I'm just going to continue to do this until he either quits or you know I'm just going to do this until the end of the fight and move on to the next one you know no biggie but you can't have that mentality um hopefully for him his sake is that this is this is a wake up call to not be monotonous and to always have your antennas up. And this is the sport of boxing. Anything can happen. My opponent, these are world class fighters and they may eventually start timing me. I might have to add a wrinkle or two in my arsenal that I'm not doing. So I'm not so predictable because that's what everybody's going to try to do. And that's what everybody's been trying to do is just trying to catch him with that shot because he is open and he sat up there and tried to throw that long uppercut and quite obviously a right hand, like that's what people are going to be trying to set you up for. And like I said, I could have sworn that Mendoza just missed him is either the third or fourth round. And then he ended up catching him with that same shot in the seventh round. Um, You know, good, great performance. It was 60 to 54 on two scorecards. It was 55 to 59 on the other but the scorecards were all academic once he landed that big right hand. And then those two and three other shots that he landed didn't help his cause. And also falling back and hitting his head on the canvas certainly didn't help 
the towering infernos causes. When he fell down, I just thought that he didn't know where he was. And it wasn't the fact that, you know, of him attempt, he, he had a difficult time attempting to get up because he's so tall. It's just at that moment, he's like, what the heck happened? You know what I mean? Like, and then he just didn't have the, his faculties together. And it took about maybe a minute before it was to the point where they were saying, you know, can you get up? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then he ended up getting up after that. But, you know, excellent win. And also, uh, as far as this particular subject is concerned, kudos to Fendora for being such a stand-up person. You know what I mean? They say, you know, you just take it on the chin. You know, you lose some. But he, he said he's going to come back and even be better, you know, as a result of this defeat. You know, sometimes a loss is a win. And like I said, for him, for his sake, if he can use this as a tool to make sure that he's always cognizant of the other fighter's ability to adapt and be able to set you up for shots and that he's leery of that and weary of that and not make himself vulnerable to getting clipped. Anything else you have on that fight? Now, if I was Fedora, man, I, I would invest in some LASIK surgery or something, man. man. Get that vision fixed, man, so so he can do more and see them angles that that he be missing. Yeah, that's 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 a um, it's certainly a good suggestion. Um, you had Akmadaliev against a gentleman named um, I want to say his name was Topalis yesterday in an upset. I know I I saw the fight, but it wasn't to the point of me being able to like describe what it is I saw. I just, it was a close fight. I thought that it could have went either way. I was surprised that they went with the challenger, but he upset, you know, Akhmedaliev. And so he's in prime position to, you know, face either Stephen Fulton or uh, a new way, whoever comes out of that. So he's the new champ. And matter of fact, he has two of those belts. He got, he collected two belts from Akhmedaliev yesterday. So that was an impressive performance uh, on the undercard of the um, Fandora Mendoza fight. Uh, Gerald, Jared Anderson, he was in action against George Arias. Uh, Vail, did you see that one? And if so, what did you think about the new big baby, the younger big baby, not the original? <laughs> yeah, okay. So Jared Anderson, you know, he took on George Arias. Anderson's when he goes straight back, he still need to work on that, man. He, he be going, moving straight back and be open for those shots right in that line. Yeah, just looking for a straight right hand, just open for it. And I think that's going to be something that's going to bite him in the butt, considering, you know, his ambitions. But we'll get into that. But so he took on George Arias. It, was, it wasn't much going on except, you know, Anderson just did what he, you know, normally does, put the beat down on Arias, uh, had Arias hurt in the third round. It was interesting. It's funny because Arias was just getting hurt, man, smiling and doing all this other stuff. But he was stumbling to his corner. Uh, the corner was having a conversation, you know, trying to talk him into. into it was trying to talk through to him, like we stopping the fight. And he, at least he showed me something that I that I wish that uh, Yoshiro would have showed that he was like. I, I heard him say no when they said we stopping this fight. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, and he definitely wasn't going to win that fight. It, it wasn't going to. In, in the right forum unless he was gonna unless Arias was gonna do something drastic like be able to throw a right hand at Anderson going backwards while Anderson is moving backwards because I think Anderson is just, just open for that uh so Anderson he improves the 14 and no all knockouts Arias is 18 and one with seven knockouts 
Now Anderson is, you know, he's calling out any and everybody. He wants the best of, of the best. Personally, I think he should step it up a level, but also don't get too ambitious. Like you want to fight the, you know, the Dillian Whites, you know, I wouldn't even mind him against a, a Joe Joyce, someone like that. But you talk and put him in there with somebody like Deontay Wilder. Wilder is going to hit him with that right hand, that same right hand going backwards. He's going to put Anderson to sleep. So uh, I do think Jared Anderson, he, he shows a lot of promise. One thing I do like about him, I can't say enough, he's always in shape as a heavyweight. You know, a lot of heavyweights, they don't have great stamina, nor do they, you know, they come in looking like they then drank a keg of beer, you know. Anderson, you know, young guy, always in shape and always looking to to be his best. You can tell that he's a student of the game. So the, the future is bright if he wants it, if he wants to work on some things. But great win for him. Not too much to, to talk about considering his opponent. Um, and maybe, you know what, a great fight between him and, and, and the other big baby, big baby versus big baby. When they get the name, you know, that'll be a good fight for him. So what were your thoughts, Will? I really don't. I think that the fight card really, you know, to be honest with you, I thought it sucked. You know what I mean? That dude, he was fighting. If listeners, go ahead, close your ears for a second. I'm going to say this real quick. He was fighting against a fake-ass Mike Tyson. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was bouncing around. Don't have any power, though. You know what I'm saying? He get hit. He looked like he looked silly. You know what I'm saying? Like, he still... He look like a, wait, 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 wait. You, you be talking Mike Tyson without power in 88 or Mike Tyson without power in 2005? <laughs> I'm just saying that dude looked like the way he was moving around like he was Mike Tyson, but he don't have any power. He just, it, it was weird. It was weird. Hey, I'm not going to let you disrespect Mike Tyson like that, man. Mike Tyson didn't have power. Mike Tyson in the 80s would still have great defense, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm not being clear. I'm saying uh, that guy, that guy who he was fighting, whatever his name was, whoever Big Baby was fighting yesterday, optically, visually, he looked like Mike Tyson, the way he was moving around. But the guy he was fighting didn't have any power. So he's moving around like Mike Tyson, minus the power. So I'm not, it's not a reflection on Mike Tyson. It's that scrub he was fighting yesterday that they had him in the ring with. And so that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm constantly seeing him against guys like that. And is he the goods or not? You know what I'm saying? Give me some more, a little bit better than that. Like, I'm not, I don't even know where they're getting these dudes from. It's like, so I don't necessarily, I can't really judge him as I still see flaws. I'm like, okay, this dude can get hit, he can get touched, but I see skill there. But again, I won't know until they match him against somebody that's a little bit stiffer. You know, I can, this show that you keep putting on, you know, I, I'm I'm not impressed. You know what I'm saying? You know, keep showing me these 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 dudes that he's he's fighting that he can just pummel on and eventually, you know, he's gonna get him out of there. So I don't know. I don't know what's up with Big Baby. I don't know if he's really the goods or not. Um, but hopefully they step up his level of competition. Which leads me to the next fight. That's what I'm saying. Like this fight girl sucks. Hey, hey, what about him versus a uh a Frank Sanchez? No, what are you talking about? It's Frank Sanchez, you know how Frank San Sanchez be getting the moving his arms and stuff. That's way too much right now. Him and Frank Sanchez, Frank Sanchez, I think, well, he'll be a little baby. You understand what I'm saying? Like, he'll probably be asleep. You know, he better be careful messing around with somebody. That's a little bit, he, he'd be a little too ambitious if he just jumped too. Maybe by the end of the, I got to see him against somebody a little bit better. Now, what about the other dude, though, that remember he beat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I can't remember his name, but yeah. The African guy, but again, the African guy can punch like a mule. So if you get clipped early by that guy, then it's like, I don't know. He might That might be a, the fight that he fights at the end of the existence. I think it's inevitable that he will face somebody like that because I think he's a top-ranked fighter. But Frank Sanchez, Frank Sanchez is one of them dudes that you just ignore. Because <laughs> nobody really know him. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, right. I have to fight him, and he's the number one contender. But hopefully, Bob Arum, you know, figures out a way to keep guys that's in ours on our street keep me fighting them. I don't want to mess around, you know, fight somebody like that. Now, I can see him, depending on his tank, I don't, it's again, he's not fighting anybody. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's too early to be having all these discussions about him because they keep putting him in there against them tomato cans, man. That dude got hit. You see his reaction when he got hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least, well, at least he wanted to stay in there. Though. <laughs> he didn't know what he wanted to do. He tried to, you know, he's smiling, laughing, <laughs> crying. He was doing everything. <laughs> so I don't know. Let's go ahead and move on to the next fight that was just below that one, which was the Anthony Kenny Digger Yiggy. He has some interesting reactions too. <laughs> when he was fighting against, um, what's the young man's name? Keyshawn Davis. Yeah. Out of Virginia Beach. You want me to start? Or you can start? Yeah, you can start on that one. I just, so Keyshawn is another guy that he, he does. Remember, he only, he only got eight fights. <laughs> so that, that's what I'm, So you can't be a little pup like barking out like he's barking. You know what I'm saying? That big dogs when you're the little pup like this. And so the fight yesterday against Anthony Kane, Digga Yigit, he shows me that he has talent, but he also has a lot of holes in this game at this particular point. Before he gets to calling out people like, without just going over the fight, eventually he hit him with a body shot. Anthony Kane, Digga Yigit was trying to basically, you know, catch him with some big stuff. Like, at you know, trying to catch him slipping, and he was taunting him at times, you know, and just doing everything he could to try to frustrate the younger, you know, opponent. I think he had some success doing it. He lasted, a, a, you know, a little bit longer um, using those veteran tactics and stuff like that. But eventually, Keyshawn was his, like the ninth round or so, hit him with a nice body shot. And soon after, he finished him off. Um, good stoppage, you know what I mean, as far as um, for Keyshawn. I just think that, again, he needs to pump his brakes in terms of what he's saying and who he's saying it to at this particular point. If one of those dudes like a Frank Martin accepts that challenge, that could derail him for quite some time. Like He can just totally mess that young man up. He's not ready for anybody like that because he's not going to like stop Frank Martin. Frank Martin is too polished right now where he can kind of break him down take him out and he's just not ready you can see it you know what i mean you you fight you sitting up here talking all this noise after you be can anthony can you dig it that's that's not you know your upper echelon fighters a young man so all i'm saying is what he should do is incrementally fight better opponents keep harnessing his skills but I still see a lot of holes. I think that he's going to have an issue as far as I thought that he was more powerful when I was seeing him earlier, even though it's still early in the screen, it seemed like those first couple fights. But it takes him a lot more, you know, um, 
more energy to kind of hurt guys that he's facing now than it did before, which is normal. But I'm just saying it's not like he's just a huge puncher. I'm saying that to say that eventually if he keeps stepping up, will he be able to deter some of those guys and stop them, kind of have them a little bit more hesitant to just go all out and pressure him and eventually wear him down and take him out. You know, I don't know. You know, he's getting some good work with Bud and all of those guys. But sometimes that's just one thing that you in there with one of the top fighters in the world. But that don't necessarily mean that you have the capabilities of being able to perform, you know, at the elite level just because you're working with those guys. You know what I'm saying? But we'll see. This, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is just pump your brakes as far as who you call them out at this particular point in your career. But what did you see yesterday? Hey, I don't have no problem with him calling people. Hey, I mean, he does have eight fights, and, he, and it really he, he does have need to grow. But you never know. I mean, I remember when you know Loma Chico lost to Salido. Oh, there you go. He did. He did. Chico. I'm saying he, he fought Gary Russell in his third fight. <laughs> but he, so so Keyshawn had two gold medals in the Olympics. Keyshawn's Olympian? No, he's not. He had two gold medals. But I think he he was a uh, Olympian. Yeah, that's different than being the, the most decorated amateur right. of all time. Four hundred wins. Did he have a loss in an amateur? Yeah, he did. He did have a loss. But I don't think Lomachenko is the most decorated a- amateur of all time. But you know. He's, That's he's, a heck of a record. That it I, is, though. It is. I'm not saying that he that that he is. I, I, it could be. He could have been fighting his brother twenty times. I don't know. I'm just saying with that record, being two time um, gold medalist, having 400 wins with very few losses. Yeah, yeah. He went. That's not him. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not exactly Keyshawn Davis, but. You know what? He, he should. You're right. He should pump his brake. But I'm all for if you want to smoke. You know what I'm saying? He should lose. That's what he's gonna do. <laughs> nah, I, nah. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good comparison it, 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 on what could go wrong. Yes, because because Lubin could have grown a lot a lot more. He I don't think he was ready for. He was Jamel Charlo at that time, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that did derail his career because he never really got his confidence back from that. He never really got his mojo back after that. So um, it's, hey, it's that it's the same thing we said before. Remember, Mama used to say, "Take your time, young." <laughs> hey man, yeah, I missed out on that. What was that? The 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 Wilton Riley, <laughs> Bam Rodriguez, <laughs> the New Jack Swing. <laughs> oh yeah, Bam. I got you. Okay. okay. <laughs> so for the fight itself, I mean, considering where you know. Yiga is not just some impressive fighter or anything like that, but he's but someone with eight with eight fights. I think that's you know along the levels you will you, along the levels or above the level you will want somebody like Davis fighting that. Um, but there was certain things in the fight that I was like that's that is kind of concerning. Like even when the clash of heads happened in the third round, I mean fighters are human; they get hurt and all this this and that. It was just that Davis reaction to it. It was just like. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, I, I don't know, man. Because you gonna quit, man? Yeah, things things like this happen in, in in fights, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes you gotta, you know, brush it off and say, "Hey, go on." And it, it wasn't like he was in a 
fight that was matched where if you got in the headbutt that, man, you need to have your antennas up because you might get cracked. You know, you're in there with Anthony, can you dig it, yig it? And, and no disrespect to, to yig it, but, you know, I mean, David shouldn't have – to me, I thought it was concerning. Somebody else might think I'm being harsh, harsh because of that, but to me, I thought that was concerning. But I thought that, you know, did pretty good, you know, throughout the, the rest of the fight. With the work on you get, I think it was around in the ninth round. That's when the ref decided to to uh, save you get from further punishment. So I thought it was a good stoppage for Keyshawn Davis. Um, he improves to eight and zero, six knockouts. Anthony, can you dig it? You get uh, twenty six and and three and one with ten knockouts. You get stopped by the. Rolando Romero and now Sean Davis. So I know it's your favorite fighter, Will, but I don't know he goes for me. <laughs> Come on, man. Anthony, can you dig it? Yig it. You see him yesterday when he was he was taunting uh, Keyshawn? Yeah, man. I'm like, dude, <laughs> man, what's wrong with you, dude? Matter of fact, man, for someone, a fighter of that status, I don't actually mind seeing him in more fights. He just need to do one thing for me. He need to come out to... Uh, can yeah. you dig it? Yeah, come out to that. Yeah. And then come out to, uh, to the Booker T's theme music, man. Can you dig it, sucker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do you need to come out to that? Uh, can Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Warriors theme. Can, can you dig it? You know, um, speaking of what you saw in the third round with the head, but in Keyshawn's reaction to it, that's what some say. Some people say in the gym he quits. Like, they've seen him quit inside the gym. That response that he gave yesterday leads credence to those stories. Like the way he responded to just getting hit, but it now I know that that's that hurts. But at the same time, as a fighter, you wouldn't expect a fighter to respond like that when you go through certain adversity. It's like okay, you take your time, but you go over there doing way too much, young man. You know, somebody might eventually uh, just attempt to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I give me one good one in to see how this dude going to fall. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, you got to go ahead. Just toughen up, man. Or at least have that poker face. Because once <laughs> guys think that they can get in your head, they're going to do that. They don't do whatever it is they need to do in order to get you off your game. And so you can't let people know that, that, that you bothered that much by, you know, something like that. That's part of the sport. Like, it's inevitable that that's going to happen you know, from time to time. But that's all I got, you know, and then just punch your brace a little bit, fella. So here, uh, this the portion of our episode where we go to the next uh, big thing, which is we have a pretty big fight next week. To me, I think that you might want to be on upset alert uh, when you have these two huge heavyweights entering into the ring. I think this fight is going to take place in the UK. You got the WBO interim champion, uh, Joe Joyce, and he's going to be facing, I think, Zhang, uh, Jelly Zhang is going to be either 40 before the fight or like the week after the fight, but he's 39 right now. Um, but what do you think, Bill, is the likely outcome between Joe, the juggernaut Joyce, and Jelly Big Bang John? I'll say I'll say uh, tune in because this is going to be a, a barn burner to me. I think it's going to be a pretty violent fight. Uh, but Joe Joyce coming to this fight, uh, fifteen and no with fourteen knockouts, six foot six with an eighty inch wingspan. Uh, Jali Zhang, 
uh, 24 and one and one with 19 knockouts. Uh, I mean, six foot six. Now, Joyce, you know, you got knockouts over, you know, Joseph Parker, Christian Hammer, uh, Carlos Takam, and Daniel Dubois, that upset that really put Joyce on the map as far as people being impressed with him. Uh, Jolly John, the only fight I saw was that loss against uh, Philippe Herkovich, uh, which was, for him, even in that loss, that was a, a pretty decent performance and showing of him. So Joe Joyce, power puncher, man, but... He, He's so slow, man. You can, you can, it's almost like we watching him. You can, I, I can, I can watch him and say, Hey man, when he, once he do this, I can get away from his punches. It's almost like playing a video game. Like I can get away from his punches if I see it, but he's so accurate. And when he lands that punch, it's almost like it's slow, but he knows exactly where it's going to land. It's, it's like, he knows where your body is going to be, where the head is going to be. And he, he, he always land those shots. Plus he has a strong chin. That dude is like Jason Voorhees, man. Like, it's like he's he's, he's going to keep coming, and even though he's slow, his stamina is good enough that he's not going to slow down. So eventually he's going to catch you, you know? So he's like, you know, uh, uh, Jason Voorhees of the Terminator. Jolly John, he's not a pushover in the power department himself. Plus he got, you know, height on his side. You know, he's just as tall as Joyce uh, on paper. He throws lots of punches. He, I, I do see him, you know, gas sometimes, but it's only when he throws like a, a burst of a, a burst of of punches, you know, and he and he's uh, exerting himself too much. But at the same time, when he when he's in there with it, it's certain kind level of competition that if you can't punch with him, you he he'll get you out of there, man. And he he got some heavy hands just like Joe Joyce, and he has a strong chin too. Uh, he's shown that he has uh, he can take punishment. And, and it, I'm, I'm not sure who's going to be the pressure puncher, the pressure fighter in this fight, because they both kind of pressure. They, they, they're both pressure fighters to an extent. Uh, so I expect a, a violent fight with like great exchanges. And this fight is going to be a battle of chin. It's going to be a battle of will. And it's going to be a battle of attrition. It's interesting because I can't actually can see this fight going 12 rounds. And if it does, I think it's going to be very, very vicious. But I, I do think that even though no one will get like really, really hurt or stop this fight, I think that eventually Joe Joyce is going to catch Jolly John in those exchanges where John, you know, has to catch a second win and, and, and settle down a little bit. I think it's going to give Joe Joyce too many opportunities because Joyce is very, very consistent, you know, in what he does. And, it, and Joyce is going to set that pace. Um, and I think that eventually that 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 punishment is going to take its toll on on Jelly Jong, and I think this fight is I would say this fight is going to be stopped around the tenth round. So that's my prediction that Joe Joyce is going to win a tenth round TKO over Jelly Jong. So what say you, Will? Uh, oh, so here's my thoughts on the fight. First and foremost, uh, two big, strong, heavyweight punchers. Um, they also, like you said, can take a punch. So it'll be a slugfest. I think Jelly is a little smoother boxer, you know, than Joe Joyce. As far as the attributes of each guy, you got Joyce. He his style is to bring a constant pressure. You know, he has uses a heavy jab. He looks to outwork his opponents, and um, it doesn't look like nothing fancy about him. You know, he has a basic style, kind of lumbers, and he's a plotter, but it's effective. You know, like I said a solid chin, but he has endless energy. And as far as Jean is concerned, he has that 
he has a sneaky big left that he lands. And Joe Joyce isn't the hardest person to hit. So that's the avenue for Jean to be successful. Uh, he's pretty quick for a size too, Jean. Not fast, but he's pretty quick. Um, he's a good counterpuncher. To me, he's more explosive than Joe Joyce. And he tends sometimes to have poor stamina, especially after five, six rounds. Joyce um, typically gets his fighters not necessarily like with one punch, even though that's what he how he got Parker eventually towards the end of that fight. He got him with one punch, but it's more of an accumulation of punches. Now, as far as the fight itself, I think Sean, I think he will, but he definitely needs to get off to a good start and land something big early. Just so you know, the the the, the kind of stymie a little bit of that pressure that Joyce brings. You know, if he's able to, you know, land something big, that'll kind of you know slow him down, make him a little bit more apprehensive. I also think you're going to see, like, this is going to be a serious test to Joe Joyce's chin because he gets hit flush almost against everybody. He did a better job against Dubois. So I can also see him taking that approach, especially early, because he can box a little bit. And if it's just a big left that he's worried about, maybe he's able to take that away early if he plays that game. That would be a great strategy. If I was him, that's what I would do. But I think the way he fights, typically, John will get off to a good start, kind of test his chin to see if he really has that granite chin. And again, that's the way he could pull off the upset if that power, especially rounds one through five. Every time I see John fight somebody, he hurts him. And I've never seen him fight. Even the Jerry Forrest fight, which was a draw, he was hurting a mess out of it. Jerry Forrest, but then he ended up getting tired. Now, in that situation, they found out that he was dehydrated and he kind of corrected the problem. Didn't look as, as fatigued against Her Herkovich as he did in the fight against Forrest, but he still had, there were times when both of those guys, they would one guy would take one round, then the other guy would take the other round. Sometimes he looked dead tired. You can't be in no situation like that against Joe Joyce because Joe, that's what Joe Joyce is looking for. So for me, even though Jong is a live dog, I can't bet in his favor at this stage, mainly because of his age. He's going he's basically 40 years old. And he's fighting somebody who's shown very great durability and stamina. And he's basically three years younger and who's had a better resume um, up to this point. Uh, but so I think when it's all said and done, the mental and physical pressure of Joyce will lead him to a ninth round TKO victory over uh, Jelly Big Bang John. Do um, you have any other thoughts on that fight that's going to take place next week in the UK? No, sir. Just can't wait to see this one. Yeah, that's a goodie right there, man. And uh, just like you have Fedora, he didn't necessarily have to take that fight, that kind of a tough fight against Mendoza. And then also you had Zhu, who took the tough fight against Harrison. You have to commend those guys who keep taking on tough challenges when they don't have to. So that's the thing about Eddie Hearn. Is, is, is Eddie Hearn with, uh, and I think he fights on the zone, I believe. He may not. Whoever that is, they, they don't have to do this. And I wouldn't, like, out of all of the guys that he can face, he's going against Jelly John. Like, that says a lot about what they think about. 
Joe Joyce as well. So shout out to the juggernaut and uh, may the best man win. Now, this is the portion of the show where we go to our news, right? So we got some big news uh, this week. Now, to me, this is old stuff because I saw this about a month ago when they were saying that these guys were in negotiations and a fight looked like it was going to take place on June 17th. But this is what we want to discuss is the Spence versus Crawford fight. Like I just said, reportedly is going to take place on June 17th. Uh, could be announced at the Tank Davis-Ryan Garcia fight. If this is the case, are the fighters forgiven for the past uh, events? Absolutely not. They should put this on a contract. <laughs> this is how they go. This is how Errol Smith and Terrence Crawford can be forgiven for what they put us through. Of course, they have to be in the ring because getting getting the fight signed doesn't mean much these days. But knowing them both, I don't think they're, they're the types that will you know fake an injury or anything like that. If they're training for a fight, that fight is, is most likely is going to happen. But they will have to get in the ring, and they will have to be a classic fight. I mean, a classic fight. We waited so long for this. This is a fight that, as boxing fans, that we get up for, we root for. When we talk to you know casual fans, we say this is the one-on-ones we want to see. And But also, if it's not a classic fight, let's say, you know, one don't live up to the expectation. Then the other one has to. The other one has to to live up to their part of the bargain. Like if, let's say one of them, you know, is is sixty percent or sixty five percent, or they're just not performing up to par. I would want the other one to to take it to them, dominate them, or stop them. And this is why, because look, it's it's enough. It's it's, it's bad blood in this fight. They both are high level fighters. They waited this long. It's like look, this is the fight we want to see. We don't want to see you no know, this, this 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 is not a a Bernard Hopkins and, and, and we can write type of fight, you know what I'm saying? This is upper echelon. So they'll be forgiven for me if it's a classic fight where it's like a lot going on in this fight as far as skill, will, you know, uh power, speed, violence, all those things, a story, just like uh, you know, uh a Hagler Hearns or or a Leonard Hearns or a Leonard Duran, those type of fights. This, this is the fight of that type of magnitude. So it should play out that well. Again, the other guy, the other guy has to be a hundred percent, has to be like really, really putting on a dominating performance. So that's the only way those guys would be forgiven from me, you know, if this fight happened. Because it's still a big if. Normally, when these news come out, I'm I'm like about to fall out my chair, but we've been through this for like a couple of years now. Uh, the only good thing about this fight is the good thing in, in the negotiation is there are fights being discussed for both of the guys. Uh, Errol Spence was supposed to take on uh, Keith Thurman. Uh, and actually, it, when, when they were talking about this earlier this year, it was supposed to happen, you know, this month. So far, you know, Keith Thurman, you haven't heard anything from him. They've been quiet about it. And if you know Keith Thurman... He's the type of guy who loves to talk. So him being quiet is a telling sign. And then with uh, Terrence Crawford, there was talks about him facing uh, Alexis Rocha, which none of us, you know, really were in a rush to see that. And of course, if you want to listen to me kind of put it on Terrence Crawford, you know, you can go back and listen to that too. But also Rocha, he he has a fight coming up with uh, Anthony Young on May 27th. So 
he's kind of out of the, the way right now. So the stage is set. The only thing that can mess this fight up is if one of these guys mess it up or the promoter of one of these guys mess it up, you know? So it's a good sign, but this is what I want to see. This is my, my, my contract on this podcast. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything to say about that. Cause I, like, <laughs> I saw, uh, you know, them mentioning that about a month ago and I didn't, when we, text messages and stuff like that. I didn't put it out there as one of the topics because I thought that, you know, we exhausted all of our conversations, anger, frustration, you know, excitement, you know, everything, <laughs> every emotion that you possibly can have for something, we've gone through them. And I'm not going to give myself or give in to this or give any more emotions and, you know, anything like that to this topic, you know, until the guys actually sign the fight and then I'll be able to have discussions about, Oh, okay. In the press conference, so-and-so said this, their body language is, is suggesting that so-and-so looks like he's not, um, you know, properly hydrated, you know, things that would be about the actual fight itself, no longer the anticipation of this event, because, you know, as they say, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. Shame on me. And I will be fooled about six or seven times at this point. And I don't consider myself an idiot. You understand me? So with that being said, we're going to move to our last topic. Hey, but are they forgiven, though? Would they be forgiven? <laughs> would they be forgiven? Um, yes. <laughs> no. I say no because of the fact that that displayed to me of what Crawford was doing when he went live and all of the stuff that he was saying. Like I say, if you just be honest, anybody who knows me knows that that's the only thing that bothers me. Like you can do whatever it is that you want to do. But when I have, when there's a sense to me that you're not being truthful, you're not being forthright, that's when I have a problem with you. And for whatever reason, I don't buy into the stories that he was telling when he ended up fighting Avanesia. He could have had the same fight without that story that he was telling. And, you know, all the things that he was saying, they just didn't add up. Because, again, if he just said, you know, man, I'm, I got this opportunity, you know, to fight this guy. You know, they're giving me, you know, this money. You know, they're taking too long. You know, as far as the negotiation, like, not give me what I want, boom. I'm going to go ahead and take this fight. But it just seemed like it was done in a different manner than that. And I'm not going to keep going over that stuff because I don't want to, you know, anger myself once again. So as far as like being, I'll be excited for the fight. I want to see those guys face each other. I just wish it was different circumstances that they're fighting. Like both of the guys having like a warm-up fight and then they just clash when they're both at their best. Like it's, they, one guy has been out so long at this point, I don't know if he's going to be rusty. You can't use that as, as an excuse. You know, you fight, you fight. You say you just want the big fish and all that type of stuff. But I just think that you you um, doing yourself a disservice. You know what I'm saying? And it's not going to get any better for either guy because Crawford is mess around be 36, you know, later on. So just I'll be happy to have a fight to get it out the way to finally have a undisputed champion and then that guy could possibly go up to 154 and one of those guys will have an opportunity to be a two-time um 
undisputed champion. So, you know, that sort of thing. But will they be forgiven? In my eyes, one guy wouldn't. You know what I mean? Anything else you got on that topic? <laughs> no, we, we've exhausted that one. <laughs> All right. So our last topic of the day is going to be my main man, Puerto Rican sensation, Edgar Berlinga. It's, it's stated that he's going to be in action, you know, on, I want to say June 24th against a gentleman. Was it Brian Quigley? Uh, I think it's Jason Quigley. Jason Quigley. Yeah, that's right. Jason Quigley. And so he's going to be back in the action. Um, are you excited for my main man, the, 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 the hard punching? Oh, nah, man, is this your main man? Nah, man, Jason Quigley. This dude got stopped by Demetrius Andrade. <laughs> Edgar Belenga, man, 20 and 0, dude. This dude got 20 wins. What, what? How many KOs he got at this time? Like, what, 18 or something like that? Let me see. 16. <laughs> Taking on Jason Quigley? Mm-hmm. This dude's a super middleweight? Where Edgar Belenga going to step up, man? You know what I'm saying? See, we talk about Keyshawn Davis with eight wins. This dude got 20 wins, man. He was a prospect two, three years ago. Is this Jason Quigley? Who would you who, who would you refer him to face? Man, that dude better. Hey, maybe I'm I'm a, I'm a harsh guy. I'll say that up front. But that dude, put that dude in there. You better put that dude in there with David Morrell or somebody. Yeah. See, there you go. See, now here's why I'm excited. Is because, see, you have guys, people are in different situations. Now, if I really bought into Edgar Berlin, and I'm thinking that he has the potential of being a real legitimate powerful pound caliber type of fun, then yeah, this right here, you don't want to put him in there. You want to step your game up. I don't think so. I just think we got somebody who we can market and sell tickets and we can get him into a fight with somebody who's going to get cash them out so you get them a little quickly win you find somebody maybe after canelo smoke rider you know what i'm saying if riders like on his last leg you go ahead and, and whoop on him and then you call out the big man and then you know you get knocked out by him but you have went to the mountaintop and you cashed out you got you a nice payday where the fight against canelo will be like you fought five fights or six fights because it's that lucrative. You know, you might try to do your little comeback and then get yourself in a situation where you get beat up by somebody else. That's Edgar Berlinger's path. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're talking about a David Morrell or um, David Benavidez or somebody like that who's legit. Nah, he's not legit. We know that. Hey, but if you're talking like you're legit, you got to prove it. And I ain't saying that he got to, you know, take a fight with Canelo or anything like that. But come on, man, T- take on a Zach Parker at least. You know what I'm saying? You got, uh, I know uh, you, you, you might hate me for this, but uh, what's my man name? Uh, Akami Dove, well, you can take him on too. You know what I'm saying? They, they're not like Canelo and, and Benavidez type of fights, but they're like fights that could, he could up his game, man. And, and I think that's the the problem. You, you, you just feasting on guys you can knock out, man, and, and you just look like a world beater. I mean, okay. You want to go to jail or you want to go home. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, like what's going to say? It's, it's either one or the other. Do you think Edgar Belinga, based on what you see, do you think that he is as good as a uh, Morrell? 
Benavidez, Caleb Plant. Do you think he's as good as any of those dudes? I don't think he's good as a, a Plant, David Benavidez, a, a Canelo. Uh, I, I don't think he's as good as Morel. But I think as a prospect, they push him so much. It's time to prove it. I mean, what I think, if whether I think he's good or not, doesn't matter. It's up to him to prove that he's good enough. So if you're talking like you're good enough, like you just like with Jared Anderson, right? It doesn't matter. I could be high on Jared, Jared Anderson. I could be low on him. But if Jared Anderson says, hey, look, I want all the guys, I'm I'm this good, prove that. Don't just, just talk it, walk it. You know what I'm saying? With Jared Anderson, has Jared Anderson ever headlined? Is Jared Anderson? No, no. Um, not like Edgar Berlinga, but Berlinga, they were pushing this dude. They pushed this dude like he, did, he was the next best thing. That's right. That's like, so. So prove it. Prove he the next oh, best thing. You, you don't, he's not good. Well, <laughs> he is a ticket seller. He's a show. But he's you know? 20 and no. So let, 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 let somebody prove it to him and put that let one me, on his let record. Let me give you a better example. <laughs> so, Roley Romero. <laughs> oh, no, Roley Romero's not that good. He's going to talk a good game, but you he got the tank fight. He did. Get which the tank was fight. like six, seven fights with him. He got he got paid. And he's still kind of like known. He can still do his little gimmick. And that propelled him into a fight with Pueyo for an opportunity. So I'm saying that to say if you mess around and put Roley in with somebody that's good then you're going to pull the covers off of the what you've been hiding from people is that he's really not that good. Hey, pull but, it all off. Pull, pull the covers off. Hey, I want to see the matches. Well, then why, if I'm a promoter and I'm his handlers, why would I do that to our meal ticket? Like, why would I go ahead and take this little money to get knocked out by somebody who's going to get paid small change for it as opposed to creating this this imagery of this guy who's supposed to be this powerful puncher. He's a good talker. He uh, said he calls out people. He says these outlandish things. Why don't I try to get the most lucrative fight that I can? I'm still fighting these little, until I get that fight, I'm going to put him in there with guys who are, aren't risky. Because if I mess around and risk him against a morale or somebody like that, he's going to get short money to get beat up we know none of us win in that situation. Now, now I might be incorrect, but was it Edgar Berlinga who left Golden Boy because he couldn't get the fights he wanted? He may have. He's delusional. Was that him? <laughs> Say, hey, <laughs> if he want, hey, so you don't want him, if, if you his, his current promoter and he left a promoter just to get bigger fights, you don't want to like not give him the fights he want. I mean, he could always be. You know what? With these guys, I, th I think the misconception is you have to be on. You have to be this undefeated on top type of fighter. It's not wrong being an opponent and getting paid. You know, so sometimes you gotta be the opponent. If you lose, uh, you can take. Yeah, he's gonna lose. That's it's inevitable. That's that's gonna happen. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like, the first loss. Make sure you go ahead and you get your bread though. Get your money. <laughs> you know, and then you can always come. You can always be humbled a little bit, and then you come back and start working on whatever it is that you need to work on. But get the money first. That's like to me the equivalent to somebody saying, um. You got an athlete who can go straight to the, a league and get all of this money. And they say, man, uh, you should go to college first. And you're like, I can always go back to college. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Let me go get this money first, and then I can work on that later. You know what I'm saying? So 
go ahead and get the bag. And that's what Ryan Garcia is doing. He's cutting the middleman instead of going ahead and taking these risky fights against all these other people. The big guy, get the money. If I'm and that's why Ryan Garcia is going to sleep on, on, on April 22nd. Ryan Garcia has much a much better chance against Tank, who's doing the same thing. Tank taking on Roley, Cherry Picking, Pitbull, Cruz, and all these guys. He's staying away from the Shakurs. He's staying away from the Javante, I mean, the uh, Haney's the and Lomachinkos and stuff like that. He ain't fighting at those dudes. Everybody's doing it. Like, right. What's with Berlinga doing it? That's, that's hey. You know, I think I, I, I think my case is closed. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> doing drugs. Let's do it. Everybody's jumping off that bridge. Let's do it. Getting paid though, man. You know, I can't. Hey, know. hey. As a businessman, I respect that. But you know, I do. I do. Get your money. But you know what? I mean, be good. Be great at what you do too. <laughs> Yeah, some guys, and again, it's the path. Like some people can't do it because they don't have that popularity. So a Frank Martin can't just say, well, give me this person. You know what I'm saying? And fight a couple bums here and there and then demand. So he got to really work hard and hone his skills and crap. Devin Haney had to do the same thing. Now he can't just, okay, voila, you fight me. They can't do that. So that's what reason why they are really good at what they do. Because of the fact they had to take that harder path. It's just life is not fair. You know what I mean? Some people, and he that, that Puerto Rican fan base, and they marketed him really well, you know, with the early knockouts and stuff like that. But it's going to come to an end um, because he didn't, you know, do the groundwork as far as really not falling in love with be, being this power puncher and trying to knock everybody out as opposed to working on the different intricacies and nuances that makes someone a talented, skilled guy. I mean, he would never be a Shakur Stevenson type talent or, or Terrence Crawford, but he could definitely um, have honed his skills more than what he's done so far. But again, some of it is delusion, and a lot of people are delusional. You know what I'm saying? That's what make you who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not, uh, you know, talking down on a young man. All I say is, Edgar, you know, hopefully you don't get whooped on by this quickly dude you know biting people and stuff but at the end of the day you know you dust him off call out canelo canelo's not gonna fight you you know once he beat up Ryder, say you know what let me go ahead with Ryder, and they don't try to beat Ryder quicker than canelo did even though Ryder's a dangerous fight for somebody like berlinga you're gonna have to take one like risky type fight and then once you get that risky type fight Call out Canelo. He's going to need a soft touch after B-Ball whoop on him. Now, anything else you got in closing, Avell? No, sir. Man, certainly appreciate, you know, the, the dialogue. Like I said, I'm on fumes right now. <laughs> I'm say happy Easter. Hopefully, I know about mm-hmm. people hear this. Unless I put it on, on um, YouTube. You think I should put it on YouTube? Yeah, you should put some segments on YouTube, yeah. I'm, I'm segments, not the whole. Yeah. You, you put the whole, hey, don't matter to me, man. If I have time, um, sometimes like if I'm, I, I got a whole bunch of things in my car, man, I come back, I need a battery, you know what I'm saying? I can, <laughs> but um, as I'm moving around, sometimes I'll just put the mic on my phone and hopefully the, nobody calls, you understand know I me? Mean? But I might do that just for you since you said that, good brother. Um, but on that note, you know, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoy your Easter, spend time with family. Um, yes, sir. Great productive week. On that note, we out.
Peace. Peace.